Hello, creepy crawlies, and welcome, welcome to yet another episode of Ice Cream Queens. And as you can see, this evening, I'm not feeling very gothic. I'm feeling a bit more festive, and so kind of going for the retro vibe. But um, this is to kind of coincide with our topic. I want to go ahead and bring in our guest, or excuse me, our hostesses, our lovely hostesses. Our guest hostesses. Our guest hostesses. Our guest hostesses. <laughs> our guest hostesses. <laughs> now we're ghostesses. Go hostesses. You're, you're go hostesses. Right. The ghostesses with the mostesses. <laughs> How is everybody doing this evening? Oh, I'm I'm good. I'm tired. Done mm. a lot of bleaching the past few days. I was going to say I have been watching your TikTok and I have been seeing that you are. You haven't settled on the color yet, I see. I, I actually did. I settled on the color. I don't know why. I fell in love with this. Like It's like a baby pink that came out at the end. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. But <sighs> yeah, I want to keep it. So I got, I'm going to do like a darker red. All right. Everyone look at DL's shirt here. You see that darker red? This right yeah. here? Yeah, that's going to be the roots. And then okay. going down to a regular red, which would be the other color on red on your shirt. This and then it's cool. going to be this baby. Way. Yep. And then it's okay. going to hit baby pink at the bottom. So we're going to do like a blend. By the way, we are totally mirrored. So if you're like wondering why I can't find the square on my shirt, it's because <laughs> you're looking at it wrong. So yeah. I, po I point at the wrong, I'll be like talking out to Magda and be like, yeah, mm -hmm. so DL Magda. Magda. <laughs> Magda. <laughs> me looks behind for creepy crawlies. Oh, right. That's me. I oh, love no. when we get commenters like that. I do too. I do too. So what is, so Magda, what have you been doing this weekend? Uh, as most people preparing for the Christmas holidays, we've got some mm -hmm. traveling to do, which means getting wee ones and packages and all that packed up and ready to go as well as doing a holiday baking since I've got traditions in my family from around the world um, a lot of German uh, who spent some time in Hamburg when I was little sort of adopted quite a bit of that and uh, bits and pieces here and there so lots of baking and preparing to go the only other thing I think that we really must mention today was the biggest thing in the news as far as the goth world oh, goes. Yes. You have to say the passing of Anne Rice. That's yes. just, oh, it just, it made my soul ache. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone, especially of a certain age, who didn't have so much of her influence in our everyday lives. I mean, reading Interview with the Vampire to begin with, and then following with stat through all of that as I that grew up as I, I jokingly refer to that period in my life as my baby bat moments so <laughs> yes yeah. oh yes oh yeah the oh, vampire was, that was a huge specifically like that was my favorite book mm. loved that one I read that one on repeat for like months straight I oh, actually I have a, a copy of the vampire list that in French that I Ooh. bought when I was uh at Charles de Gaulle Airport waiting on my trip back to the States from some time that I spent overseas. Well, I do have, um, I actually have my copy because I knew that we couldn't let mm -hmm. this evening pass. And it's not, um, it's not uh, the Vampire Lestat, but I have my copy of Interview mm -hmm. with a Vampire. And um, so several years ago, oh, this one is actually not to me. This one was to my husband, but several years ago, um, we had the fortune, the, 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 we were able to meet with Anne Rice and she was here in Memphis and it was just, yeah, she was a lovely person. And, you know, you, when you do book signings and events like that, you don't really get the opportunity to interact with the author that much other than here's the book, sign this. Mm -hmm. She was so gracious and such a, just a lovely, lovely person. Um, you ended up standing for hours on end in the line to get the book signed and stuff like that. But then, you know, she was also out and about in the area. So if you were lucky enough, you were able to see her um, at some different places. So that was kind of an interesting little bit of, but yes, she was in Memphis and we did have the opportunity to meet. 
I poured wine and beer for Anne if I had that or the money to <laughs> buy said <laughs> Well, I will say Actually. cheers and we wish you well mm. on your journeys, Anne. I forgot a drink, but cheers. we know. <laughs> we know. She was such an instrumental uh, part in developing not only my uh, the 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 my love of goth culture and developing my style, but just everything from the things that I have in my home, and you know, mm -hmm. it's like everything about Anne Rice impacted me in some manner. Whether it was the the books and her mm -hmm. writing, um, my love of vampires, or just the love of the New Orleans culture, because she was mm -hmm. so. Um, just ingrained in the city of new Orleans too. So yeah, but it is a somber, somber day for those of us that are, I don't want to say elder goths because I think that she really did touch not just us, but um, like even my baby bat mm -hmm. has read and loves interview with the vampire. So I, I have hopes that her passing may not be the end. I do know that her son was working yes. with her on writing everything. And she, you know, told him all of the things that were going to happen or were supposed to happen. And I, I do know that he was assisting in writing, sometimes writing his own stuff. Um, I think they were even talking about a show together at some point where he was going to help with the show. So I do have hopes that it doesn't mean the end of mm. that saga no actually there is a interview with a vampire series that is coming out um on is it amc i do believe it is mm -hmm. amc has picked it up and um christopher rice is uh the executive producer so um i'm very anxious to see where it's going to go um i know that it has made several changes from the original storyline but mm -hmm. you know it's going to incorporate changes and, you know, we're, we're excited to see it and where it's going to go. Her son is throwing a fan party in one year. Aww. Oh, for Anne Rice. Oh, I have to ask uh, Magda, cause I know that you were kind of in this area as well, but um, have you, have either of you ever been to the Anne Rice vampire ball in New Orleans, the masquerade? I, ball? I never got the chance to go. I, I would have loved you, and there were many times where I'd planned to, but things sort of fell apart and it did never happen. But I would have loved to have gone at some point. That would have been, yeah, very epic. I'm, I'm curious if the uh, below mentioned um, fan party is going to coincide because it is still an active event. Possibly. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know. I would have to do more research into it. Um, so, really random sidetrack magda you mentioned baking um can you or just if anyone else in that is watching has a great recipe for a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie i've never made one and my husband has requested them this year and i'm like all right so yeah anyone has a, a good recipe for that please help me i do not i um i have a lot of cookie recipes but that is not one i've ever made before same well, let's just, I want to go ahead and let's move forward into what we're going to be discussing this evening. And I understand that Magda has prepared a musing for us. Um, and if we can take a quick moment and listen, and then once the, uh, once it has played through, I'll give you a little bit of information about it. The Winter Guest. One wintry night midst snow and sleet. I lay in slumbering restless sleep, tossing, turning beneath the sheets, alone within my lair. I heard the door creak open wide in footfalls as someone stepped inside. Wondering what visitor had arrived, I crept to the top of the stair. I peered into the darkened room and strained to see into the gloom. Still footsteps echoed like a tomb, but I saw no one there. I descended to the lower floor, perhaps to see a little more. I looked out through my open door and felt the cold night air. He was there, I had to know. So looking through the porch light glow, I glanced across the fallen snow, but saw no footprints there. Who could have come so late at night and crept about to give me fright? I knew not anyone who might be so rudely cavalier. 
I heard the sounds of slamming doors and walking up to other floors as if my guests were searching for some hidden treasure here. I took a rod to help defend and ran upstairs to find this fiend. I had to find a way to end this most inane affair. So nervously I searched for him. This strange intruder head within, so panicked by a task so grim and shivering with fear. I sneaked about into my chamber, searching for my cruel tormentor, and saw by fire's glowing ember a shock beyond compare. I found him there beside my bed, a shuddered hood around his head. The one who must collect the dead stood right before me there. His back was turned it in a sea. He didn't know that it was me who saw him there and turned to flee into the cold night air. I ran until my breath was gone, looting the cloaked and hooded one who, obvious to me, had come to take me unaware. From a hiding place I saw him go and drift away above the snow. I watched him, though I didn't know, and saw him disappear. Back up to my room I fled to find the warmth of my own bed but found myself already dead. My body lying there. For centuries it's been the same since the night the Reaper came and left me here to haunt in shame. This house, these rooms, these stairs. I walk these halls night after night, so desperate now to set things right and hoping that he someday might return and find me here. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I have many of the goosebumps. That was okay. So the the poem, if you did not know, is an original piece by Geek Gumshoe. Wow. Yes. And um read beautifully by our own Magda. So thank you. Thank you so much. That thank was you for allowing me to. That was fabulous. I thought it was absolutely haunting. So I loved it. So it's, it's easy to read something when it's so well written. I, I'm sure he thanks you from up, upstairs. So <laughs> wow, okay. I I have chills. I I am I am so grateful that you did that. I know that that really made his day. So thank you, thank you. You're going to heaven, you know. Home. Fine, haunt the place, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that as a jumping off point to kind of talk about our topic this evening. Um, I think that we were going to discuss some things that are a little more dark and sinister and creepy that coincide with the holiday season. And Magda, I understand mm-hmm. you have done a lot of preparation on some very interesting topics. Would you like to start, the, start the conversation off? The thing is, is that historically, uh, the winter season has always been very dark and depressing and even dangerous for the vast majority of humankind. There's the lack of food. There's the light slowly disappears day by day and things get darker and darker. And so it's not all that shocking to realize that the vast majority of our traditions for the very longest time were all centered around horrible creatures and spooky stories and the celebration of just surviving it all throughout this horrible time of year. In Victorian times, it was a a tradition to uh, tell ghost stories, which is why things like A Christmas Carol was quite popular because it was a ghost story, which is what people did. They sat about in front of the fireplace and told spooky stories and had warm things to drink and huddled together. And the Northern Hemisphere especially, uh, you can find all sorts of horrifying creatures that haunt or hunt, depending upon how you look at it. People, you've got, especially in Germanic and Slovak countries, you've got things like the Krampus, you've got Neturiprecht, uh, you've got the Gryla, uh, La Bufana. Uh, Christmas mummers even, even could, uh, I suppose, be considered creepy creatures if you look at them quite right. Um, I was trying to find something Scottish because, to be brutally honest, um, 
Scotland doesn't have that much in the way of specific Christmas traditions because for quite some time, starting in the 1600s, uh, the celebration of Scotland was actually banned. Um, the celebration of Christmas in Scotland was banned. Um, May I interrupt and ask why? Do you? It was the Christian church there, specifically the Presbyterians. Mm -hmm. They thought it was a little too pagan for their tastes. And so <laughs> the church said, no, won't have any of that. And so the vast majority of Christmas celebrations in Scotland for the longest time were very, they were the sort of uh, sacred and uh, quiet and respectful and all centered around being in the church. And so there weren't much in the way of, you know, dancing and singing and that sort of thing. And by the time it came back, there, there wasn't much to it. And most of the winter celebrations in Scotland are uh, pushed forward towards New Year. So you've got things like Hogmanay and uh, these brilliant fiery celebrations. Uh, Aberdeen, where I'm from, uh, in Stonehaven, they have these uh, fire dancers that have these beautiful, um, almost like bolos that are on fire that they dance with and they throw and it's, it's all spectacular and there's fireworks and bonfires and the like. But I did manage to find one rather obscure creepy creature uh, in the, the far, far north of, of Scotland, um, in the Hebrides Isles. Um, on the Isle of Isla, uh, which is about as far north as one can get before you start hitting places like Norway. Uh, they have uh, a creature that children were taught if they were naughty would appear and drag them away. This creature doesn't have necessarily an English name exactly, but its English, its, its, its Gaelic name is Krondovnanolach. Krondovnanolach, uh, if you sort of Translated, it comes out as uh, the cricket one, the dark cricket one of Christmas. Uh, Nolik can mean Christmas, but it can also mean just December. I have questions. Why is he called the crooked one? Or why mm. is it? I don't know if it's a she or a he or an it. Or we, my best guess from what I could find, um, I got in touch with the curator of the Museum of Isla. Uh, there in the Hebrides and spoke with them. And the problem is, is this is an oral tradition. It's not really written down anywhere. There's no pictures. There's mm. not even an actual physical description of what this horrid beast looks like. So oh. we don't know. Um, it sounds a bit like a sort of crappy creature. It is known to go after naughty children and drag them away. But instead of a physical description of what the thing looks like, um, it's known for its sound. It's uh, it's proof of existence, so to speak, mm -hmm. as that children were told that the sound of the wind whistling down the chimneys, the wailing sort of screaming sound that makes, was the creature, was the cricket one of Christmas, screaming I down the chimney of the houses of the places where there were naughty children. I love how all of these traditions all can kind of tie together, like the whole chimney thing mm -hmm. um, and all of that. I, I love that it's just like mold, molded, melded <laughs> together. It makes it especially hard because places like the Hebrides, they are, are very windswept. It's, there's no trees. There's certainly no forest. There's nothing mm. to, to break the wind. It's just a tiny little blot of land in the North Sea. So it's just windswept. So you can imagine that at any time of the year, you know, Christmas or no, you're going to hear these horrifying wailing winds. And especially as they sweep across the tops of the chimneys, they're going to make some sort of howling and growling and screeching and horrible noises. So, you know, you can imagine the children would be fairly well behaved. This is what they're hearing on a daily basis. <laughs> the best especially thing if they're being that it is a creature that is specifically watching them and if you're naughty it's going to drive mm -hmm. you away so mm -hmm. they're like hearing this thing screaming down the chimney and thinking ah it's at my house 
As far as trying to figure out where it came from, the best I can tell is it has, or possibly has, some sort of basis in uh, an old Irish god, Crondov, the dark one, the dark crooked one. Um, it was an old Irish god. Uh, they're not really sure why he ended up in the Hebrides and why he became some sort of hard creature for Christmas specifically, but that's it. So the dark crooked one, Crondov Nanolach. Um, just uh, as an aside, the way that you say um, Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas in Scottish Gaelic is actually um, Nolach Creel. So, look at wow. That. Well, that was about as far as specifically Celtic bits and pieces that I could find. Um, there were, you know, uh, oh, something I just had to mention. When I was searching for things to see what was, you know, what was watching, what came from where, I have to say the most horrifying things I found, not like Krampus or, or the Gryla or any of those, but some of the things coming out of France were absolutely horrifying. The main reason is when you go to places like the Slavic countries, you go to Germany or you go mm -hmm. to, or you know, north, you go to Iceland and places, you've got, you know, trolls and uh, goblins and horrifying mythical beasts. They're creatures. They're not human, you know. But when you go to France, they're people. Yes. Horrible, creepy, murderous, child-eating people. Which makes this. it even worse. So uh, exactly. Uh, there's, a, there's a creature, a person, um, uh, Père Foutard, is is called. Père Foutard. It literally translates as to Father Whipper, like to whip with a whip. Whipping. And he was apparently an evil butcher who craved children to eat. And so yeah. he and his wife would lure children into their butcher shop, would kill them, chop them up, salt them, and then hang them to cure. Well, it kind of reminds me of Hansel and Gretel a little bit, but instead of like a candy house, it's like, hey, you want a steak? Mm. Come inside. Mm -hmm. Well, and you also have like uh, overtones of uh, Sweeney Todd. So mm. it's oh, like oh, making right. meat pies. So, yeah. And, but then that comes back around to what happened to this person who to turn him into a Christmas character. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, yeah, no. They mentioned that uh, the. The, the Celts and the Germanics did kind of lend back and forth. So there, there's that. But uh, as far as the father, Whipper, uh, St. Nicholas actually came to the rescue and um, ended up resurrecting the boys that he had chopped up into bits and uh, took the butcher with him to become his sort of servant, whose job was to punish bad children on St. Nicholas Day. So uh, I thought that, and I thought, how is that a punishment exactly? It sounds like the sort of thing he would probably enjoy. So, oof, not quite, but all right. Maybe because he's limited to a single day, and he is mm. supervised, and maybe punishing not eating them? Now, as I say, he's not allowed to eat them, so I suppose that's the punishment. But he's not the only anti-Santa that the French have. Uh, they have another one called Hans Trap, which sounds German, but is not. It's French. Another terrible, horrible person. This one from uh, the Lorraine region of France. His problem was he was a dreadful person. He was rich and greedy and evil man. And he was exiled into the forest for preying upon children disguised as a scarecrow. He would tempt them in and kill them and eat them. I'm sorry. Like, can you imagine? Hey, guys, let's all go down to the candy store. Oh, look, a scarecrow. That's totally not weird or creepy at all. Let's go play with it. No. But in this case, this particular creature uh, was literally struck down by God in the midst of trying to eat a child. He was struck by lightning, struck down. And uh, from that moment on, he was cursed to come back every Christmas dressed as a scarecrow to scare children into better behavior. So 
Another one of those, if you don't behave yourself, this horrible creature, this anti-Santa will come and get you. So the, a lot but, of them are like with the kids, be good or else. Be yes. good or mm-hmm. else. The, mm-hmm. the one that I read up on was a lot like that. Um, Parchta, which I think we were talking about a little yes. earlier, is uh, one of those like, we'll be good or else. Like if, if you're good, okay, you get a silver coin. It's hidden somewhere in the house. If you're bad... Well, I'm gonna slit your belly open, uh, remove your stomach and guts, and stuff the holes with straw and pebbles. Be good, kids. As you do. As you do. Yes. As you do. I, you know, I just did that yesterday. <laughs> That's my one of the fun things routine. about Perchita is that Perchita is actually one of these creatures that has multiple personalities, so to speak. There's beautiful Perchita, which mm-hmm. is known as the bright one, and then there's ugly evil Perchita, which is the belly slitter. So, yeah, that one uh, harkens back once again to the old gods. So yeah. it, it goes back to the pagan tradition that got taken yeah, it, and it had a added lot of, into Christmas. It had a lot of pagan undertones. There was a whole, like, she had um, a, a different foot. One of her foot was uh, malformed or something to show that she mm-hmm. was possibly a shapeshifter. There was a whole lot to that story, but Really, just the whole slitting their bellies open and you know taking out the inside—that was the that to me. That's like there's the selling point. Yes. <laughs> Merry uh, Christmas. <laughs> a, Happy holidays. Have you ever seen the uh, the Krampus horror film? I have not. Shit, I have because Perchita's in it. Oh, She's actually so portrayed as sort of a demented angel doll. Oh, that sounds so cool. Okay. That's fun. With my children this holiday season. So it's interesting listening to these stories because like when you, when we started talking about Perchita and um, her, I guess uh, her slitting of bellies. So we went camping with Mr. (laughs) Fush recently. Be good or the scarecrow will kill you. Just ask your sister, but you don't have, but I don't have a sister. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Eli. He always has the best comments. Yes. We decided to go camping in, um, I want to say it was uh, North Carolina. And uh, one of the creatures that is known for living in that area is basically, it sounds very similar to Perchita. It's a, it's a witch. And she's known as Spearfinger. And if you leave, it's like she will slit open and still slit open bellies, still children. So there's a lot of, but she's of uh, Native American origin, if I remember correct. So it's just kind of interesting to hear the um, similarities between the two. She is not specifically designated to um, being seasonal, mm. but um, you can like leave meat out for her. It's like, Yes, the people that I was <laughs> camping with were leaving like meat offerings out to Spearfinger, hoping that we would like draw. I'm like, really, really, this is where we're going. That's we how want- you draw a bear, guys. Oh. <laughs> we had those too. <laughs> this it was a beautiful area to camp in. It was uh, the Mile High Campground in um, North Carolina, which I do believe is. Uh, you're, you're going closer towards like the Smoky Mountains and stuff like that. But it was an absolute beautiful area and a lot, a lot of wildlife. I can, uh, yes, absolutely beautiful. But yes, my group was trying to get Spearfinger to visit them. So, <laughs> so you know, this crew never fun. take, yeah, never take them anywhere because it's like, hey, can we, can we call spirits? Yep, let's try it. What do they like? Let's feed them in trails. <laughs> feed them in trails. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mr. Fish, if you're listening, please comment to that because you, you there's video. Oh my gosh. We have proof. So, we have proof. Yes, there is like night vision video. Things were moving. We're not going to discuss it, but it was it was a little bit. There's there is, there is a video of the spear finger outing. Yes, there is. There is a there is a video. So, Axel from a distance. <laughs> 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 with a finger. Huh. 
No, we were good. These comments, oh my God. So I actually was doing a little bit of research on Mary Loud, Mary Lloyd, Mary Lloyd. I keep wanting to say Mary Loud, but it's Mary Lloyd, um, which is a Welsh tradition, not so much geared to keeping the kitties um, in line. This really sounds more along the lines of something that our group would enjoy doing. Let's see. There's a, um, there's a horse skull. There is ribbons. It goes door. Oh God, that is so beautiful. Um, I know um, there it's like, there is a sheet that hides people. You go, it's a horse head on a skull. You go door to door. There is a singing battle and you try to get into people's houses <clears throat> and there is food, there is beverage, um, which it stems around the, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, wassailing. Wassail. Wassail. Wassail, okay. wassail all over the town. But um, yes, it does stem around that tradition. And um, so <laughs> Basically, the keeper, the the herdsmen of the Mary Lo, uh, Mary Lloyd, take this creature and they go door to door and they'll knock on your door and you have a song battle with the skull. And um, generally, if the skull gets into your house, um, how is it? Bear with uh, bear with me. I have this written down because this was absolutely hilarious. Once inside, the entertainment continues with Mary L- Lloyd. Running around, neighing, snapping its jaws, creating havoc, frightening children, perhaps even adults, while the leader pretends to try to restrain it. <laughs> I want to do this so bad. Bad horsey. Bad horsey. Stop <laughs> tormenting those children. And um, the, the pack, the pack men are called uh, merry men, and they play music. They entertain the house guests. But there is basically a song that coincides with this tradition where the horse skull asks for admittance to your house and you sing a song saying, nope, you're not getting in. And then it counters and it's like, yes, I'm getting in. I'm, you know, this is not exactly the way it goes, but, you know, <laughs> and and um, then, you know, there is merriment and drinking and eating and it is considered to have it is considered good luck to have uh, Mary Lloyd come to your house. Now, one of the things that I found very interesting is that there are a lot of different interpretations of what Mary Lloyd means. Um, I have seen everything from it means Holy Mary. It means Gray Mare. Um, and then the last one that I saw was um, in um, an English term meaning Mary Lude which is more along the lines of a game. So, but because it is such an old tradition and there's not a lot of uh, written information about it, there's some question about where it originated from. Hmm. So. Um, oh, the other oh. thing about Mary Lloyd is that it's, uh, it's an older tradition, but it's only really traced back to somewhere around the 1900s as far as where it became popular. And it didn't last very long and it was only in parts of Wales. So uh, parts of Wales had it, others did it. I have, I have friends who are Welsh and some of them are saying, no, we never did that. And it was not something we'd actually ever heard of until only, you know, in the past 20 years or so when it became ubiquitous. People liked it so much. They thought it was so hilarious that they had to share it. And then um, some of the reason why it disappeared for so long was the fact that uh, all of those songs that they sing back and forth to each other are traditionally supposed to be in Welsh. And for a long time, not a lot of people spoke Welsh. So now, though, it's become much more of a, a national pride sort of thing where people just speak Welsh. You know, the, the, the television shows are in Welsh and all of the signs are in Welsh. And so with that being much more popular and much more people knowing about it, they tend to go back to a lot of the older traditions and revitalize them. And I think that's fabulous. I think they should do more of that. Now we're about halfway in, so I want to basically take a moment. We normally do this at the beginning of the show, but we do have an audience participation questions and a uh, question, and we do have a lot of people who are kind of joining in with the chat. So if we can pop that up, what is the strangest holiday or Christmas season celebration you have ever participated in? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Magda, because I have a feeling that <laughs> yours is probably a bit more diverse than 
I, I don't know if it's strange exactly, but uh, it's, it's definitely unique. Um, when I was three years old, we were living in Hamburg, Germany, and the local priest thought I was absolutely precious, pale little thing that I am, and asked my parents if I would be willing to sing for the church um, for Christmas Mass. And they said, oh, oh yeah, she'd do that. So I sang Stille Nacht, um, Silent Night, in German. But what my parents weren't told until we arrived was that it was going to be broadcast all over Germany. (laughs) So somewhere my parents have a VHS tape of a itty bitty teeny tiny me in a huge church sitting on the steps singing Silent Night in German with these priests and all the the beautiful things behind me. So that was unique. (laughs) That is adorable. I think... Okay. I think Lauren's ovaries just went into overdrive. <laughs> I, I don't need no more. I don't <laughs> need no more. No, I guess first, if I show you what I was wearing. Oh, Christ. I'll, I'll, I'll see about sharing it with you ladies. I don't know if I want to post it. Aye, <laughs> as a traditional German. Uh, Christmas tree orbs. Costume. Enchanted Mountain Paranormal Southern Branch. Oh, okay. I see. We need to know a little bit more about this. Please, please share anything. What are Christmas tree orbs? I don't um, think I've done any holidays for it. Oh, okay. So I, the closest I can think of when it comes to interesting holiday stuff, like my family, we did Christmas traditional, um, but I was in many choirs throughout the years. And I have done, Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't even know how many madrigals, like in traditional attire and done the entire uh, wassail song, the boar's head, uh, all of that. And it was always, um, it was like a show and a dinner. Like people would sit down, we would come out, we would do dancing, we would have Mm -hmm. skits, we would have songs and people would like eat dinner. Like here, here's a half a chicken, have at it. Um, and it was super, super fun. The other thing I would do is we would dress in a uh, Victorian garb and we would go caroling oh, um, around that. the I town as that. well. That's so, fun. I've done that. It is fun. Yeah. We, I don't think we do anything unusual. I mean, it, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything odd that we do with our family. I'm asking the cabana boy upstairs to send me a text just in case. <laughs> I know there's weird things that we do. The biggest thing that actually stands out with me and my family with the holiday season is uh, specifically superstitions. Um, my my family is very much Southern Gothic. We grew up kind of in this area and there's a lot of things that, um, and I feel like these are things that are uh, superstitious because, you know, housewives don't want to do this during this, like they don't want to get up like ironing. Ironing is a very, very, specific chore that uh, my family, specifically my mother and my grandmother, it's like, you don't iron, you don't, you know, there are things like that, but it's like, you don't do any type of laundry. You don't do any type of ironing. Um, You also, it's like, there are all these little type superstitions that we grew up around. And I know that when I, um, when I met the cabana boy and I'm like, oh no, we don't, you know, I'm not ironing anything on Christmas. You got to get that like three days in advance. So (laughs) like, because you know, those things carry with you. It's like, if you are not used to doing those type activities all your life, they, you know, you don't get to. The other thing is that um, we do not gift knives. Isn't that strange? My, um, my family believes if you gift a knife that you are cutting that person out of your life. Cutting ties Mm -hmm. with them. My, Mm -hmm. um, my old Kung Fu instructor used to believe that like one year, (gasps) We, we bought him not knowing that, like some throwing knives. And he was like, thank you, but this is not a these. gift. Here's a dollar. I'm buying this from you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we do now. And every, anytime anyone gets a knife, be like, here's a penny. I'm buying these from you. It's not a gift. I had uh, growing up, uh, one of the German Christian uh, Christmas traditions was having the um, Christmas tree spider. Did you ever have that? No, no but that, that sounds horrifying. 
It's actually quite it's, it's similar to the pickle. I, I have one of those. Two. I don't even know about the pickle. Um, you were saying something about a pickle, and I'm like, what well, there's a, a little pickle. ornament, a little little bright, usually uh, blown glass, little pretty little bright green pickle that you hide on the Christmas tree somewhere, and the child that finds it gets a, a special treat. Uh, the Christmas oh. spider is actually quite a lovely little story about this uh, uh, family who goes and cuts down a Christmas tree and they take it inside. And um, living on the tree is a little spider. And the spider begs and pleads for his life, does not want to die, and asks yeah. if he might please be allowed to stay. And the family decides, well, you know, it's Christmas. I suppose maybe we can go ahead and let you stay. And in thanks for that, the spider decorates the entire tree from top to bottom with beautiful webs, with uh, into them, sparkling, making the whole tree look lovely. So we always have a little tiny, somewhere hidden in the tree, we always have a little spider ornament. For the I Christmas want spider. a Christmas spider. We have a Waldo. <laughs> I have a Waldo. <laughs> we have a Waldo. <laughs> You have to find Waldo on our tree. <laughs> I don't know that it's like a search game, but there's like a murder of crows in my tree right now. Nice. Yeah. That's super cute. Yeah. Our Christmas tree um, looks like some person who collects way too much nerd memorabilia and someone <laughs> who collects way too much gothic stuff kind of just threw all like of ours. their belongings at a tree. Mm -hmm. Like ours isn't even, it's, it's, it doesn't even it, it look it is in the shape of the tree, but it's wrought iron. So it's oh. very gothic just on its own, but then now it's covered in like TARDISes and skulls. Nice. <laughs> oh. nice. Now uh, the cabana boy got me a black Christmas tree this year, and oh. I am so excited about it. And we end up with a bunch of baby spiders. Oh in the tree. <laughs> Not quite what we are looking for, but yeah. See, that would be my problem. It's like I would I would be like, oh look, there's a spider. It's not it's a real spider. It bit me. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah. So yeah. Spiders are that's one of my creep things. I don't like spiders. I don't like them at all. Oh, one of the other creepy creatures uh, that I always found quite fascinating is from Iceland, the Yule cat. The Yule cat, <gasps> yes. its entire purpose is to eat people who don't wear the clothes they were given for Christmas. That's it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Grandma gives you a pair of socks, and if you don't wear them, Mule Cat's going to eat you. Now, no. Mule Cat is actually depicted as being this giant mountain-sized cat. Um, I know it varies depending on oh, where you see it, but it's... I'm sorry, I'm just thinking like Clifford the Big Red Yule Cat now. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I think is fascinating about Yule Cat is that you will see it, like, it peeks in the windows and looks at people and looks at children so it's like the the pictures and the drawings and the paintings i've seen it's like here's the window here's your cat's eye <laughs> so just nice. yeah it's like what <laughs> are you wearing your new underwear all of them at once <laughs> <laughs> i made a bracelet i'm wearing them all now your cat is also associated with uh Gryla. And um, the I'm sorry, um, her, uh, the lads. What are the lads? What are the the um, Yule lads? The Yule lads. Thank you. And uh, Grail is also another very interesting. Um, she is more along the lines of a um, of a not so friendly mm. witch that's associated with the holiday season as well. So, but now the Yule cat has is very fascinating to me. I stumbled across that legend a couple of years ago and I was like oh why do we not have a giant cat in the US <laughs> we need I a giant want a cat. Yule cat I know another fascinating one that I stumbled across actually while looking at the Yule lads mm -hmm. um in Greece they have these little goblin type creatures that are called the Kalikantsoroi and the Kalikantsoroi are these nasty little evil black goblin things that actually live underground most of the year and they spent all day every day sawing away at the roots of the world tree the world tree is supposed to be like um the spirit of the world it's what keeps the world alive it's what keeps the world going it's it's uh, similar to uh, the uh, the norse uh, stories of yggdrasil the, the the life tree the world tree um and every year 
for 12 days, you know, the, the 12 days of Christmas that everyone's aware of, the Calicanceroi are allowed to come above ground and basically wreak havoc. They make a mess of everything they can get close to. They try to destroy joy. They try to ruin whatever holiday party you're having, but only at night. And um, they're supposed to be small and dark skinned with long black tails and very hairy bodies. They're afraid of holy water and fire and the sun, hence why they only come out at night. And during the 12 days of Christmas, the goblins play pranks, try to steal your holiday treats. So they especially like sweets. They love um, candies and chocolates and um, Christmas pies, like mince pies and fruitcake. Apparently you can get them to leave you alone if you leave fruitcake out for them, which I guess someone's got to eat it. <laughs> um, uh, if how, you, how uh, big are these also, uh, they're, they... they're tiny. They're, they're little things. They're, they're not supposed to be terribly large. They're, they're wee, wee beasties. Um, I'm, I'm, but... If they're coming from my chocolate, I'm fighting them. <laughs> <laughs> well, another way, which I think is quite fascinating, that you can uh, occupy them and keep them away from all of your lovely things, is to hang strands of flax, as in the, uh, the plant, before it gets um, threshed and turned into uh, thread. Uh, oh. Flax is looks a bit like wheat and mm-hmm. so it has lots of little tiny grains the idea is they can't resist trying to count all the grains on the flats and so Very as vampire. Them occupied I, I was gonna say there's a Celtic it, it reminds me of the fae of the she in Celtic stories because if you spill sugar on the ground they're supposed to have to count each individual grain the same thing as sand and salt so with the Calicanceroi, if you can keep them occupied uh, counting something, then they won't be able to help themselves and they'll be caught out by sunrise and destroyed. But after the 12 days are over and they go back underground, they uh, find that the, the sod portion of the world tree that they've been going after heals itself while they're not there to saw it. So they immediately throw tantrums and stomp their feet and pick up their soul and begin trying to destroy the world again. So basically um, childish vampires, mm, little, mm. little mini childish vampires. That's what I'm picturing. Nasty it's like hairy beastie things. How do you get rid of a relative you don't like? Give them really mm-hmm. ugly and itchy sweater for Christmas and then you'll, you'll catch. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> we had a less creepy version of the elf on the shelf. Okay, Elf on the, I'm just, first of all, Elf on the Shelf is horrific. I hate that little thing. I hate that. No, Can we pop no. that question back up or that comment back up? Because there was more. And Bella would get into mischievous trouble in the night um, for the kid for the to kid. find in the morning. Okay. Mm. I, See, I, no. no. I'm, I'm Celtic, so the idea of purposefully inviting the fae into your household for any reason whatsoever is just an anathema. No, okay, so no, just no. I am not. I am not team elf on a shelf either. No, um, at all. But there was a, a super hilarious post that I read the other day on Facebook, and it is now relevant. So I must tell you, um, somebody accidentally touched their elf on a shelf, and which means that apparently he loses the magic. Uh, my apologies. I have children walking through here staring at me. Um. <laughs> Anyway, apparently touching the elf on a shelf makes them lose the magic. And so she texted Santa Claus and asked Santa Claus, like, hey, how do I um, get elf's magic back? The kids didn't touch him. I accidentally touched him. So uh, the secret behind this is she was actually texting her sister and her sister was replying as Santa Claus. And the sister was like, oh, no, I've got you. Yeah, there's a ritual. You put out a circle of salt. And you have to have at least three people. They literally wrote out the entire craft. No. Uh, hail to the watchtowers of the guardians of North. <laughs> the entire thing. And then asked for them to videotape it because Mrs. Claus would really love to see it. We haven't seen it done in so long. Oh it, my gosh. I, I lost That's it. Brilliant. I was tackling. <laughs> oh my god. That, yeah. 
Now, the only thing I do like about Elf, in the, uh, Elf on a Shelf is the really mischievous ones that are getting into all kinds of trouble. Those are those are fun, but no, I'm with you. I don't want to invite anything vaguely fairy or uh, any fae, any elves, anything of that nature into my house. And yeah, no, you don't do that. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. If we're gonna have a creepy thing wandering around the house, it's gonna be like the doll in the hall, the creepy porcelain doll that is just moves around through the house. <laughs> Now, I will say that is me. I do buy, it's like if I find an old doll somewhere, I occasionally am stopped. First of all, um, a lot of times the the cabana boy will take photos of like creepy, creepy dolls and creepy, creepy paintings and stuff like that, that I'm just, I'm not allowed to bring home. But yes, I do have a small collection of creepy dolls that we think might be as above, so below. Santa will call upon you, ho, ho, ho. I can't. Oh my god. Oh, but yes. No, I. I think I. I, I don't. I don't mind having. I don't mind the idea of having a ghost in the house, but no fay, no fay, no elves. Ghost is okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so speaking of um, things that are that sounded like lyrics to me. <laughs> lyrics spells same thing i'm just gonna round it out here um there's a song i was wanting to talk about tonight just real quick it's called white winter hymnal the person who wrote the song it's a very ominous the lyrics are very ominous it's it's little little creepy and the person who wrote it left it very open and vague on purpose because there's a, a meaning to the person who wrote it but he wanted it to be able to have a meaning to anyone who would hear the lyrics. And so I'm just going to say them real quick. And I just want to know, what do y'all think of when you say these lyrics or when you hear these lyrics? <clears throat> I was following the pack all swallowed in their coats with scarves of red tied round their throats to keep their little heads from falling in the snow. And I turned round and there you go. And Michael, you would fall and turn the white snow red as strawberries in the summertime. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what it gives me imagery of, and I'm just kind of curious. Um, the reference to pack and uh, scarves of red tied around their throat, it, it lends to wolves to me. Mm -hmm. I hear something okay. along the lines of like werewolves or wolves stalking Ooh, children. Werewolves. I don't know necessarily werewolves, but I do picture something that is, you know, it, it's to me that is. That's a wolf stalking children to me. It does have that sort of warning for the children to be aware and not to wander off in the midst of the snow. It, it has that same feeling, as I said, of the the winter being a, a dangerous and dark and depressing and, and bad time to be caught out, as it were. Yeah. I put this up on TikTok asking for other people to tell me what their interpretations were as well. I got everything from, oh, a kid was ice skating and he, he scraped his knee to, oh, it was so cold outside. One of the kids got a nosebleed to, oh, it's about the French Revolution and when they would wear the scarves around their necks. And then there was my version, which was like the Christmas murder parade. <laughs> All right, we're going to hear this now. Christmas murder parade. The Christmas okay. murder parade. It's where they took all of the prisoners and they executed all of them by cutting off their heads. And then they put them all back on horses and put their heads on top of them and tie a scarf around them to keep their heads on them. And they marched them through the town in a parade to show off all of the, the dead prisoners and be like, don't be like that guy. And then one of their heads falls off in the middle of the parade. And that's what I heard. All right. Okay. Charming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that story. Okay. <laughs> I think we should all just start developing our own little mini, like, uh, mini movies. Or we should start doing, like, individual movies based off of this. You can do your prisoners <laughs> with their heads falling off. It's about, about the <laughs> resurrected <laughs> victims of <laughs> the whipper. There we go. There we go. I do hear a lot of very dark, ominous overtones. You know, initially when you, when I heard the story, it sounded like, uh, maybe a teacher or somebody that was following a group of students and one of the kids fell and like, but now when you start thinking about the dark overtones of the, the creatures that keep an eye on children and make sure they're naughty or nice, 
you know, and then mm. you're realizing that the strawberries, um, you know, strawberries in the, or, uh, snow, uh, turn the white snow red like strawberries in the summertime. I'm like, that's a lot of blood. That's a lot mm -hmm. of blood. That's yes. a lot of blood. So other I'm, people were saying it's about a snowman and the yeah. scarf on the snowman and then his head gets knocked off and the scarf ends up on the ground and that's the red. Um, there was a lot of different interpretations. Someone else requested, they're like, you should keep this doing this as a series. Next time, do the ones about the drunken people who are trick-or-treating and asking for pudding and booze. <laughs> what? Give us some figgy pudding now. Give us oh, some figgy yeah, pudding. No, I, I... <laughs> okay. So, Is there yeah. a horse involved? Yeah. <laughs> 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 No, no. You should, if, if you haven't, you should look up video of Merloid because she's terrifying because they put oh, a little spring in, in the in the horse's uh, jaw so it snap, 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 snap. It's very <laughs> loud and quite terrifying, actually. If I were a child, no, if I'd grown up with that, I'd be frightened half to death by that. Oh, I would have loved it. <laughs> having a rap battle with a snapping horse head. It's like, what? <laughs> The snapping horse head. Oh my god! <laughs> I oh, so by the way, I did find out something interesting about Mary Loud, uh, hmm. Lloyd, Mary Lloyd, Larry Lloyd, that you can buy. It's called a flat pack, where you can buy a because evidently horse skulls are hard to come by these days. But you can get a uh, like a printed version. I don't know if it's like a um, a printable version that you cut out. I don't know if it is like a, a package that you like pop out of cardboard. I kind of want a 3D printed one now. So um, yes, <laughs> somebody made a comment about the um, ghost horse cosplay and I'm like, yep, yep, this is a thing. I really, I really want one now. It's, it sounds super cool. I already know that I would not be able to pull it off, though, because I would be creating it in the midway through, be like, oh, I need to make this one of those creatures from the Dark Crystal. What are they called? Skeksis. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I'm not with the Christmas Skeksis. That could be fun. That would be fun. I would, yeah. Christmas Skeksis. Now, yeah, yeah, okay. Is it? Kind of wondering now if that might not have been where Skeksis came from. Maybe they mm -hmm. saw Mary, Mary Lloyd. Bribe someone to get a Bribe someone at a glue factory to get you a horse skull. No. No. We go to a dog food factory. <laughs> All right. Um, so we are 100% at the top of the hour. Oh. I know. That was fun. It was fun. And <laughs> this is just to kind of let everybody know if you would like to support our program, we do have a buy me a coffee. So you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash cereal box podcast and you can specify that you would like to make a contribution to the ice cream queens or any of our specific hostesses. We would be glad and accept it. My mic is in the way. And, um, I want to take a moment and say a few thank yous. That was what a fantastic. Thank you so much. We enjoyed that episode. There was a lot of research to be done on that episode. And I know that our counterparts recently did a um, episode that did that specified with uh, or uh, touched on Krampus quite a bit. So I think mm -hmm. that we kind of were purposely avoiding Krampus, mm -hmm. but um, and touching on some of those other lesser known the uh, hidden gems the hidden gems and mary Lo mary lloyd that that's happening mm. mary lloyd mm. is happening i'm like yes i want a rap battle with a horse skull is that bad if you know you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you first of all to uh, back of the cereal box and johnny for allowing us to come out and do these shows and and not questioning the topics that we're going to be discussing because he probably never knows until we're on the air and go hey guess what we're talking about um also thank you to the cabana boy upstairs and toy robot visual arts who supports us and puts our show together for us thank you thank you thank you and thank you for those of you who 
have stopped by to watch us. And until next time, pleasant screens. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.